are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, November 18th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of this and you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review as long as you say something positive. Uh, it's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. If you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you haven't yet, please be sure to go and check out the video version of this episode now on YouTube. I just got up and running on YouTube last week, folks. Uh, I'm fully loaded here. Every episode is going to have a video version now as well. So if if you're not already watching this video, then definitely be sure to first go and like this video. Also, go comment down below who you thought the Blackhawks' best player was last night against the Seattle Kraken and why. And also, go and subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube page. It'll only take a couple of seconds, and it will help me out tremendously. So once again, one more time, if you haven't done so yet, first go like this video, comment down below who you thought the Blackhawks' best player was last night and why. And of course, please subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. All right. Enough of that. Good morning, everyone. As always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. On the show today, of course, I'll go over the Blackhawks' fourth consecutive victory with Derek King behind the bench. He remains undefeated as the Hawks best the Seattle Kraken 4-2 to pick up their first road victory of the year as well. And once again, the big dogs carried the way for the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane. Alex Dabrinkit, Seth Jones, but the real hero last night was Mark andre Fleury. Without Flower, this could have been a, a completely different game, and, and it could have even been a multiple-goal victory for Seattle. That's how good Fleury was, especially in those final 40 minutes. So I'll also be sure to talk about Fleury's efforts in that to pick up his third consecutive victory as well. But to start things off, though, the first thing I want to talk about in today's episode, folks, before going through a recap of last night's contest is the lineup decisions that Derrick King made ahead of last night's game for Seattle. First, defenseman Caleb Jones was actually activated off long-term injured reserve ahead of last night's game. I honestly thought they were going to wait until Saturday against Edmonton, his former team. But ultimately, I guess he was good enough to go, which makes sense. I've been talking about that recently on the podcast, that Jones has been looking healthy and pretty darn close to 100%. And what do you know? He wound up uh, making his season debut last night on the blue line for the Blackhawks. And with Mike Hardman being forced to miss last uh, last night's game due to an illness, a non-COVID-related illness, as I talked about on yesterday's episode, I didn't expect Hardman to play. He wound up not dressing. And originally, I thought Adam Gaudette was going to slide into that third line in place of Hardman skating with Dylan Strom and Henrik Borgstrom. However. Surprisingly, King decided to roll with 11 forwards and seven defensemen for the first time this season with both Eric Gustafson 
and Caleb Jones in the lineup and Adam Gaudet once again serving as a healthy scratch, which was pretty stuff, which was pretty tough to see. I mean, Gaudet just continues to get the short end of the stick and really hasn't been given any opportunities to thrive here so far this season after a pretty strong final what, seven or eight games last season to prove to the Blackhawks uh, to, to show enough for the Blackhawks to give him a one-year contract in the offseason. So for them to be uh, kind of reluctant to put him in the lineup right now is kind of tough to see. And as for the reason why the Blackhawks went with 11 forwards and seven defensemen last night, when Derek King was asked about it uh, during his press conference after the game, he said that uh, the reason he went that route is because he didn't want Caleb Jones's first game back to be against that high-powered Edmonton Oilers offense, which is just absolutely tearing through everyone at the moment. So maybe, you know, that is the smart decision. <clears throat> that is the smart decision here by Kinger. Um, but against a Kraken offense that's, face it, let's face it, they've struggled so far this year. I felt like they didn't need to go with seven, def- seven defensemen, even if they were only going to use Caleb Jones for 12 to 15 minutes. I mean, Seth, his older brother, has been playing darn near 30 minutes per night so far this season. So I don't see why they needed to dress both Gustafson and Caleb Jones, even though I thought Gus honestly uh, played a, a fine game last night versus Seattle in the 12 and a half minutes that he saw. Um, but even if Caleb's just getting back into the swing of things, I, I just think they didn't need to go that route. And whenever you go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, even though it finally worked out for the Blackhawks, I honestly can't remember a game in the past couple of years where they've gone with that look in the lineup and have come out with a victory. Um, even though they came out with the win last night, I still think it's not the way to go, and I don't think they should continue to do so going forward because it doesn't give either the forwards or the defensemen consistent partners or line mates throughout the contest. Everyone's kind of jumbled around. And yeah, I do agree that, you know, it's always good to give Kaner and Debrinket more ice time. Uh, I think the Blackhawks, they still need to establish consistency throughout their forward lines and their defensive pairings right now. They've been mixing and matching and still not a whole lot's working. They're playing better and they're winning games, but they're not winning them by much. And as I'll talk about a little bit later, they haven't exactly been playing the best competition either. So there's definitely some room to improve in that department. And I don't think, uh, I, I don't think that they can continue to come away with victories if they go with 11 forwards and seven defensemen in the lineup. Um, I'll, and with Gaudet being healthy scratch, one thing I will say though, is it's going to be a dogfight for him to get back in the lineup. You know, Brandon Hagel is getting back and healthy. Um, took part in the morning skate with a non, uh, he, he was not, <clears throat> he was not wearing a non-contact Jersey. So he was a regular participant in the morning skate. Um, so that's definitely a good sign that Hagel could be playing sometime on this road trip. Uh, and, and even though Tyler Johnson is out right now, I'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, once he returns, you know, God, looking like he could be the 14th forward here. So, um, it's going to be, it's not going to get any easier for him. And when he does get his opportunity, he's certainly going to make the most of it. But the tough part is right now, the Blackhawks, you know, when you're winning games, Derek King obviously is doing a good job. He's 4 0 0 now as head coach. Um, but I still think we're going to have to make necessary tweaks, especially to beat the top tier teams. And that's a big test coming up against the Edmonton Oilers. And they're going to need more than just Patrick Kane and Alex to bring it rolling to beat that team. So I, I just, 
don't really understand how Adam Gaudet continues to just not get a look under King so far. Um, and I really thought yesterday was going to be the chance that Gaudet needed, and probably he did too. I know this is probably uh, one of the toughest stretches that he's gone through in his career, even though you know he, he's he's gone through a lot already. Um, but he spoke to the media a few days back. You know, he's doing his best to remain confident in, his, in himself. He's got the sage crystals going on and everything. Uh, but yeah, this has to be very frustrating for him because a lot of people, and I'm sure Goddad himself thought, uh, and not just fans, I mean, beat writers, people around the, the Blackhawks organization, media, um, everyone really thought this had the potential to be a breakout year for Adam Gaudet. And so far, as I said, not too long ago, he's only dressed for half the games this season. And even when he has gotten a look in the lineup, he really hasn't gotten a role, uh, gotten into a role that he can thrive in, uh, which is also disappointing because in the final stretch of games last season, I think it was only seven or eight. Uh, he did enough again to prove, prove to this team that he was worth a one-year deal and that they should take a chance on him. And uh, they really haven't given him that opportunity. And with the way things are going, unless something changes drastically here soon, uh, I imagine this is probably going to be the final year that Adam Gaudet winds up spending here in Chicago. Uh, a couple things I also wanted to be sure to mention regarding the Blackhawks lineup, as I mentioned a moment ago. Brandon Hagel did take part in the morning skate yesterday, was not wearing a non-contact jersey or anything. Um, Hagel wasn't out there for pregame warmups or anything like Caleb Jones has been recently, but I do really think there's a possibility that, um, Hagel's able to return to the lineup either Saturday against Edmonton. That might be a little too soon or possibly the next night, Sunday against the Vancouver Canucks. And if not, then I just, I, I really do believe with the way he's progressing, um, and, and his ability to return right away. I do think there's a pretty strong chance he's going to play at least one game on this road trip and possibly uh, in the, in this uh, back-to-back series against um, Edmonton and Vancouver over the weekend. We'll see what happens, though. Uh, and then Tyler Johnson, folks, as I expected, I talked about in the, uh, in the last couple of episodes, did not wind up making the trip with the Blackhawks out west, and he was reevaluated, I guess, on Tuesday before the team flew out to Seattle and guess there wasn't enough to uh, guess there wasn't enough in, in improvement in Johnson's condition for the team to want him to travel along for this four game road trip. And it's just been tough for Tyler Johnson. Uh, he suffered that injury against the Carolina hurricanes, I believe on October 29th, right before Halloween. And then shortly after he was placed in COVID-19 protocol missed nearly two weeks, I believe finally uh, is able to return and still has yet to hit the ice due to that neck injury. And the Blackhawks now also have placed him on long-term injured reserve right after they activated Caleb Jones. So this could be something that potentially keeps Johnson out for a little bit longer than I think anyone expected. Who knows? His status kind of remains up in the air. I'm sure we'll have some more updates uh, next week, probably when the Blackhawks get back from this road trip. Uh, but that's a, that's a tough break, not only for Johnson, but also for the Blackhawks offense, because, uh, obviously they've been struggling right now, other than Patrick Kane and Alex to and it would have been nice to get uh, a potential top six piece back in Johnson for this tough road trip. All right. There are the latest injury and lineup updates. 
for the Blackhawks prior to last night's game coming up in just a moment. I am going to go through a full recap of the Hawks 4-2 victory. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.eg, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL and college football are both starting to close in on the postseason. The UFC has a couple incredible fights coming up once again this weekend. Ketlin Vieira, rider with me. Uh, Max Holloway fought last weekend and won me some money. And also, of course, the NBA and the NHL are now in the midst of getting their season started. So for any sport that you want to gamble on, you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have the uh, they have real-time updates and odds on anything you can imagine. And it's also the best place to place your bets because it's free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore and head on over to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, all caps, one word, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on now into segment two, I'm going to get into my full recap of the Hawks defeating Seattle 4-2 last night for their fourth consecutive win under Derek King. In the first period, by the way, for the fourth straight game under King as well, really just not a whole lot going on for either side offensively. The Hawks, they were the better of the two teams, they generated more chances and they wound up taking a one to nothing lead. But still, overall, I mean, there was not a whole lot going on in that opening 20 minutes, um, which I think honestly is okay for this team right now. The pace definitely picked up in that second half. It was the complete opposite of Arizona, um, but there wasn't a whole lot of shots on goal. There was a whole lot of tempo, though, just back and forth action, no whistles. Um, not, so there wasn't a whole lot of offensive zone draws or anything. It was just good, some solid back and forth action, but still not a whole lot happening until the Blackhawks were able to take that one nothing lead. But before I get into that, I just want to say that it's definitely impressive. By the way, this is the fourth consecutive first period under Derek King in which the Blackhawks have not allowed a goal. So boring is okay, you know? I know it's not the most fun thing to watch, but... Excuse me, I'll take a drink. I know boring's not the most fun thing to watch, and there wasn't a whole lot, like, as I said, shots on goal or high danger scoring chances in that opening 20 minutes, but that's, you know, honestly okay for this team right now. If that's what they need to go forward and put themselves in a better position to come away with a victory, then so be it right now because no matter how they get it done, this team just needs to keep rattling off as many victories as they can while they're hot and try to get this record back somewhere closer to 500. And they've done a good job of doing that so far under Derek King. And I bring this up because going back to that final game with Jeremy Colleton as the head coach against the Winnipeg Jets, the Blackhawks coming into that game were 1-8-2. and two. They needed to show some sense of urgency. And what happened? 
They fall behind two to nothing in the opening two minutes. And that was one of the main reasons why interim general manager Kyle Davidson had to step in and, you know, kind of say enough is enough. And now under King again, you know, and it's not like the Blackhawks are running a different system or anything, but it is a different mentality and mindset and voice behind the bench and in the locker room. And finally, even though they didn't have it while they were losing 10 of their opening 11 games, now finally they seem to have that sense of urgency. That wasn't getting accomplished under Jeremy. And I know, as I just said, the system isn't different or anything, and they're playing the same sort of style, and they're organized the same way. But it's hard to argue that King's differences in mindset and mentality haven't, you know, played a difference so far. I mean, four consecutive victories, even though, again, not against the toughest opponents. Um, it's clearly having an effect. They haven't allowed a first period goal yet in four games under Derek King. Um, and against Seattle last night, not only did the Hawks manage to take that one or nothing lead, but they only held the Kraken to three shots on goal. So even though uh, it wasn't again, the most high scoring or especially for a nine o'clock game that dragged on to start. It took a little bit to get things going, um, but you got to be happy with the Blackhawks and their efforts that they've made recently in the first period. And, and getting into that goal from uh, Seth Jones, his second now in the last three games and also a second of the season. What a beautiful play. Kane finds to bring it on a three on two, and he just makes the beautiful touch pass backdoor Jones for the tap in. All, all three of those guys really have been the ones to lead this Blackhawks offense in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so, no surprise that once again, they cashed in for a goal to put the team ahead one and nothing in the first period. Then in the second period, that's when things really started to heat up. Um, and also, oh, well, I forgot to mention that. With that goal uh, by Seth Jones, all three players managed to extend their point streaks this season. Seth Jones extended his point streak to seven games, while both Kaner and DeBrinket upped theirs to four games as well. And on that second goal, just uh, two minutes into the second, Kirby Doc makes a beautiful stretch pass to find Alex DeBrinket, and he houses a shot glove side past Grubauer to extend the lead to two to nothing to bring it seventh point in the last six games, five goals and two assists during that stretch. Uh, but after, <laughs> after that goal from to I mean, it was all Seattle. The Blackhawks got completely dominated. Fortunately, the Hawks were able to extend their lead to two to nothing prior to that surge by the Kraken. But uh, some of the numbers here, I mean, they really tell the story uh, of how dominant the house dominant the Kraken were in in that middle frame uh the the Blackhawks were outshot 15 to 6 they were also uh outshot 29 to 10 in terms of overall shot attempts and then they also got um bested 14 to 5 in scoring chances and 7 to 2 in high danger chances fortunately Marc-Andre Fleury was the one in net again for the Blackhawks last night and he managed to stay red hot as well he stopped all um, 15 shots at the Kraken put on net in the second period, and a couple of them were absolute dandies. I mean, the Blackhawks were getting swarmed. And remember when people just a couple of weeks ago were bashing Marc-Andre Fleury and questioning whether he wanted to be here in Chicago? Yeah, I, I remember. He's definitely put all those critics and all those talks to rest. Um, 
And without Flurry in that second period, folks, I mean, as I talked about not too long ago in the episode, this could have been an entirely different outcome. Uh, he was standing on his head left and right. I honestly can't believe the Kraken weren't able to get one by him there in that second period. Unfortunately, just like in the second, a couple minutes in, the Blackhawks were able to extend their lead once again as Patrick Kane, oh my folks, absolute bar down snipe following a beautiful sauce pass from Philip Kurashev. Kaner stays red hot, now has 12 points in seven games since returning from COVID-19 protocol. That gave the Blackhawks a 3 to nothing lead, and uh, they wound up needing it because uh, down the stretch, Flower wasn't able to shut the door forever. Jared McCann scored on the power play to cut the deficit to 3-1, to one, and that now also makes back-to-back games where the Hawks' penalty kill has been beaten by a bottom-two power play. The Coyotes were the worst in the league heading into Friday night's game. Andrew Ladd, of all people, of course, scored a power play goal. And then coming into last night's game, Seattle was ranked 31st in the NHL in the man advantage. And Jared McCann scored that goal uh, with just under six minutes remaining to make things a lot more interesting. And that's definitely an area the Blackhawks are going to have to clean up on uh, before they take on that dominant Edmonton Oilers offense this Saturday uh, because there's clearly been a little bit of an issue there. They need to tighten some things up. And then... With under two minutes remaining, uh, with Grubauer off for the extra attacker, Yanni Gord, of all people, uh, housed a one-timer past the glove of Flurry, and that made it 3-2. to two. Hold on to your butts time for the Blackhawks with a, a buck 40 to go in the third period. Fortunately, even though it got scary there down the stretch, Flower had to make a couple more big-time stops. Uh, but Jake McCabe was able to hoist one down the ice from his own zone and wound up hitting the empty net for his first goal as a member of the Blackhawks. I know that one's probably got to feel good for Jake, who hasn't gotten off to the best start so far this season. Uh, and that put the Kraken away for good, giving the Blackhawks the 4-2 to two win, their first road win on the season, boosting their record up to 5-9-2, and two, as Derek King also remains undefeated behind the bench. All right, that takes care of my recap of last night's victory over Seattle. Coming up in just a moment, I also want to be sure to share some other stats and takeaways as well as a quick chat on Saturday's contest coming up against the Edmonton Oilers. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Getting into segment three on the show now today, before I finish things up, I also wanted to be sure to share some other stats and takeaways that I had from last night's 4-2 win over the Seattle Kraken. First, if I haven't emphasized on it enough, I really have to give all the credit to Marc-Andre Fleury. He wound up stopping 31 of the 33 shots that he faced. He's now stopped 95 of the last 100 shots during his three-game win streak. He's been incredible. Uh, and a lot of those chances that he was faced uh, with in the final 40 minutes were high-quality looks for Seattle. And he responded each and every time that the Blackhawks needed him to. I know he got beat a couple times late, but there was nothing re- really that he could do. Eventually, Seattle was going to beat him with the way that they were peppering him. Uh, so, Flurry. Thanks to, his vict- uh, thanks to his efforts, and that steered the Blackhawks to victory. And that now also 
boosts his record up to four and seven on the season, three consecutive wins now, along with a 3.36 goals against average and a 901 save percentage. So uh, still, I mean, not the most stellar numbers by any means, but Flurry, finally things are starting to come back down to earth for him and the numbers are beginning to look a little bit more respectable, which he fully deserves. I mean, this guy, one of the best teammates throughout hockey, always has been known as that throughout his career. And even when people were bashing on him early on in the season, I, I didn't think that was warranted at all. And really, ever since um, ever since that game on the Saturday prior to Halloween against the St. Louis Blues, that one nothing loss, I really think that was the turning point for Marc-Andre Fleury this season because ever since then, uh, except for that tough, third period home loss against the Carolina Hurricanes where we had him on the ropes. He allows a couple bad goals there in the third to cost him. Aside from that, he's been uh, on his A game each and every night here for the Blackhawks. And that's actually been, I think, the biggest difference during this winning streak is the Blackhawks are finally getting um, consistent, more consistent defense and the goaltenders are managing to finally steal some games. Not to say that Flurry was bad early on in the season, but uh, even when he did steal a game against St. Louis. The Blackhawks weren't able to find the back of the net one time. So it's nice to see Fleury finally get rewarded for his efforts. And again, I think that's just been a huge reason why the Hawks have been able to rattle off a couple consecutive victories here. And also, I got to be sure to mention Alex Dabrinkit last night, folks, getting what I believe is his first career Gordie Howe hat trick. Not only did he continue to stay red hot with his fifth goal in the last seven games, but he also picked up a primary assist on Seth Jones' goal to open the scoring. And then in the third period, he and Yanni Gord got into a, a pretty good scrap after Gord was kind of gooning around on the ice. He hit Seth Jones, hit Patrick Kane. It was kind of just run, running a, running a, a ruckus on the ice. And that's not the first time this Blackhawks team has had some issues with Yanni Gord. I remember uh, going back to a game last March. I think it might have been the same game where Connor Murphy got a game misconduct for hitting Eric Chernak up high, or maybe it was the next game. I believe they played back-to-backs. One of those two games, Yanni Gord was kind of doing the same thing. So uh, it, it was nice to see Dabrinkit step in there for his teammates and get the best of Gord, even, even though um, Gord isn't all that much taller than Dabrinkit. Gord's like 5'9 or 5'10, while Dabrinkit's 5'7. You know, you always love to see the undersized cat uh, get the best of someone in a scrap. He doesn't do it often, but this is this is a feisty cat. He can chuck the mitts, and he put some uh, threw some absolute bombs on Gord to put that fight away late. I'm not going to deny that Gord might have had the upper hand early on and got his, got his, uh, got his throws in because he certainly did, but Alex Dabrinkit won that fight. I think it was, uh, if I had to score it, I'd probably say 10-9. Uh, and anytime Alex Dabrinkit could add some insult to injury, step up for one of his teammates, I mean, you'll love to see it. 40 goal scorers who can chuck fists. They don't come around all that often, especially at five foot seven. And I don't know what Yanni Gord was laughing at after getting uh, the worst of a couple of rights from Dabrinkit. Um, I know, again, he got his licks in, uh, but that was just kind of weird for, to see him laughing after taking some major shots. Uh, Dabrinka was definitely the winner of that fight, and uh, the Blackhawks wound up also getting the last laugh on Yanni Gord coming away with uh, the 4-2 to win 
moving Seattle to their fifth consecutive loss. And they've also now dropped seven of their last eight games, including three in a row at home. Also, Kirby Doc, folks, continues to be an intriguing, yet also at the same time, frustrating player to watch this season. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, first, without a doubt, I mean, I'm not going to deny that there have been times where Kirby, especially at just 20 years old, has shown some real flashes of greatness and that he's going to be a force of reckon one day once he just gets a little bit more seasoning at the NHL level. And most of that is coming defensively right now. I mean, he's near the top of the NHL in takeaways this season. He's so good on the back check. He knows exactly how to use his size and his long reach to his advantage. And also his ability to go and make plays following those turnovers is also a real special gift as well. His playmaking ability overall and the defensive side of things, I really don't have any issues about that in the future. But the reason he's also been a bit frustrating to watch this season is because, well, first, he just refuses, continues to refuse to have a shoot-first mentality 90% of the time that the puck's on his stick. I mean, in goal-scoring opportunities, he's just not nearly being aggressive enough in it. It's almost like whenever he's playing on a line with Patrick Kane, he's just kind of forcing himself to give Kane or the puck each and every time it touches his stick, every time he possibly can get the puck to Kane or get the puck to Kane or get the puck to Kane. And yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, but at the same time, Doc also needs to be aggressive in the offensive zone himself in order to open things up a little bit more for Patrick Kane. He can't just continue to force him to puck and rely on Kane or to get the job done. So hopefully, you know, that's something that will develop as he continues to get older. But at the same time, um, with this kind of being already his third, technically a second, but He's now seen parts of three NHL seasons. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating that he already hasn't been able to develop that trait in his game, even though the media is consistently asking him about why he refuses to shoot the puck. And also, another reason why Kirby has been frustrating is because he still has yet to figure it out at the faceoff dot. And when I say yet to figure it out, I mean it is absolutely horrendous right now. Kirby won just three of 18 faceoffs last night, and that now drops him down to 30% through the opening 16 game. 30%! That's horrible. If I had to guess, among all centers who have taken over 100 faceoffs, that's got to be the worst in the NHL right now. I mean, 30% is dreadful and I don't even know how that's possible when this kid's been taking face-offs with Jonathan Taze for two-thirds of his career other than last season um and playing with Kane and Debrinket I mean I it's just so frustrating that those two are literally the offense right now and he's not able to give them the puck more and by the way, some people I've seen on Twitter think that the face-off stat is overrated or face-offs don't matter. Let me tell you something. When you go into the offensive zone with Kirby Doc at the, at taking the draw and Alex Dabrinka and Patrick Kane on the two sides of them, and Kirby is not able to win those face-offs, which then denies... Kane and Debrinket an opportunity of cycling the puck and potentially creating a scoring opportunity. 
you don't think that matters? Like, if you believe faceoffs are an overrated stat, then you just don't know the game of hockey. That's it's just ignorant. I mean, maybe you could say uh, neutral zone draws aren't that important, but still, you want to start with the puck on your stick. Usually, the team that wins is the one that's playing with the puck more. So, uh, I just don't understand how people deny that to be meaning meaningless or deny that to be meaningful to the game. That just doesn't make any sense. So, to me. With Kirby unable to give those guys the puck when they're carrying this team right now, that's hurting us, you know, especially when we don't have any depth guys going. It's frustrating. So there definitely are a couple things about Kirby's game, you know, while they can wow you from times, there are some parts of it that still remain frustrating. Uh, and, and honestly, if he isn't able to figure out at the dot here sometime soon, I think the Blackhawks have to start thinking about putting Jonathan Taves along with Cat and Kane to win those offensive zone draws and get them more scoring opportunities. Because again, they're carrying the load right now. And Jonathan Taze, despite missing an entire year, once again, continues to be among the top of the NHL in faceoff win percentage. So um, if Doc continues to limit those opportunities, especially in the offensive zone, um, I think a change might have to be made because denying those opportunities for Kaner and Cat. Uh, is going to hinder the offense even more than it already is at the moment. Last thought, quick here, real uh, real quick here, folks. The next game for the Blackhawks is this Saturday, as I mentioned, against the Edmonton Oilers, the 11-4-0 Edmonton Oilers. Well, they will play one more time here tonight against Winnipeg before Saturday's game, but a dominant Oilers team that is absolutely scoring at will right now. As usual, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are numbers one and two in the NHL in points by a pretty handed margin. And also Ryan Nugent Hopkins finds himself inside the top 10 as well. So this is going to be the first major test for Derek King in this new look Blackhawks per se, because well, yes, the results have definitely been better and the defense is making much uh, much improved effort overall. Let's let's face the facts here. During this win streak, the Blackhawks have beaten the Nashville Predators, a COVID-depleted Pittsburgh Penguins team that was without both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, as long as well as head coach Mike Sullivan. Then they defeated the lowly Arizona Coyotes, and now they beat a Seattle Kraken team that, as I said, has lost seven of their last eight, three in a row at home and, and five in a row overall. So not the most impressive of victories. And it's not always going to be a cakewalk here for this Blackhawks team. So this is the first real test on Saturday night. If the style and the difference and mindset works under Derek King or the Blackhawks have just kind of gotten lucky feasting off some of the bottom feeders in the NHL right now, because the Oilers, you know, are going to be coming in that offense has the capability to put up seven or eight on you in a hurry. McDavid and Dreisaitl are always capable of some magical things, and they've both gotten off to a roaring start. So uh, it should be a good one. 9 p.m. Central Time once again on Saturday as the Blackhawks go for their fifth consecutive victory with their first major challenge under Derek King when they take on the always dangerous Edmonton Oilers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is going to wrap up Thursday, November 18th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. 
Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app or go check out the video edition of this episode on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, wrong team favor picks, blowout specials, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day by simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go check out Lockdown Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.